Kane is there, and so is Guardiola! A home debut goal. That's a good one. Okay. He's on the box. We have a goal! Musa Polo! Scorpions. It's an empty stadium, but the roofs of the Independence Stadium are coming down. I can feel. I use ball again. It's really, it's absolutely brilliant. And Kudus takes advantage. George. Now Heidemann. Cuts it in. Adriano Leon. What a hit! What a great goal! Canada take the lead. And it's Adriano Leon with a rocket into the top corner. Larin gathering it in. Does Canada look to find some early momentum? Well, Davies arriving! So a Kenyan, a Gambian, and a Canadian Ghanaian walk into a... No, this isn't a joke, guys. This is literally the intro. Um, <laughs> Yo, sit back and enjoy us, man. We talk a lot of football. We got our takes. Uh, we support different clubs everywhere. And honestly, it's all about African and Canadian football overall. So enjoy the conversation. We'll bring on guests. We'll have different conversations. But it's really just about where the sport is and where it could go. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode. You know, there's a lot of ways you could see this going. Um, there's a possibility that you could have seen this ending as a loss, which I think some of us did. I think how you lose is how matters. I think how you lose matters, but how you look while you lose sometimes can dictate how it is. And in this game, we saw Canada go down 4-1, 4-0, realistically. 4-0 to Japan before Junior Hoylet scores in the uh, dying moments of the game to secure the consolation goal for honor, whatever you want to call it, no shutout. And they're really, we'll just get this out of the way now. Well, I guess we're as good as Germany because Japan did this to Germany as well. 4-1. But, no, I think when we look at this Canada, by the way, guys, especially from the Africans, it's been a, it's been a rough day for uh, my sharing parties, realistically. Canada lost, Nigeria drew, Saudi Arabia... That was a interesting choice of events that took place. But when we look at this Canada, there's there's a lot of questions to look at this. And the question is, what do you take from this game? So Canada loses 4-1 to Japan in Japan. Their one and only preparation game right before <laughs> Nations League quarterfinals. Uh, we already have one quarterfinalist that is set. Uh, Jamaica is in. More likely, there'll be a draw. And we do know that the game will be taking place on November the 21st. That's right. We have the date. It's November the 21st. And the game will be in Toronto for Copa America qualifiers. But it's also the uh, Nations League quarterfinals. Which you can see by even how the branding looks. What the most important thing is here. They're not looking at 
Nations League. They are looking directly at Copa America because that's where the matchups will be. You have a chance to play three quality sides versus maybe another semifinals and finals with some improving CONCACAF teams and the U.S. and Mexico. That being said, you just clearly see what it is. But, I mean, there was a lot of things leading up to this game where we started to think, hmm, it's unfortunate. We saw it before, you know, no Stefan Eustachio. We knew this coming in. I uh, had to leave the camp with an injury. Tejan was still injured, so not available, which is really going to make this interesting because if you look at this roster that they had, I know we didn't have a full-on um, either YouTube preview, but we did the uh, live on Sundays. By the way, guys, you guys should check those out. Haven't figured out what we're going to call those yet, but <laughs> the Sunday sessions... Is that what we're going with? I have no idea. Anyways, myself, JD, uh, we're going to try to get different people on. It won't just be JD all the time. We're trying to spread the wealth similar to how we've done this podcast. Uh, Trying to get different voices involved in moving with it. But with that, we went through the roster. And one thing, if you look back in hindsight, realistically, there wasn't a lot of pace on this. And I think this is... It's it's hard to take anything of value from this World Cup. We call the Sunday tackle, of course. It's hard to take anything of value from this friendly. And I think the most difficult thing for me when you look at friendlies is the notion of if you're going to lose, can you learn things about players that you normally wouldn't have? And you could argue maybe we did, but we didn't do it for as much as we could. But I think the fair conversation with this roster was what were we trying to accomplish here? And it really just feel like the CSA is trying to run it back as similar as possible to get the Copa. And I don't know if we have the body to really do this. I don't know if we have the coach to do this. Uh, not the biggest fan of Biello, just because of, again, his tracker with the U20s has not been good. And so, and one of the things with the U20s that you saw was you lack the dyna. The, the dynamic aspect, and you lack the good, the good width on the team. And I know you don't have a Estacchio and Sam Piet. The starting line for this game, guys, let's let's get into order here. We had Borion, who was the goalkeeper and the captain. Johnston, Miller, Piet, Kone, Cornelius, Laren, Davies, David, Osorio, and Larea Lai. <sighs> that lineup itself lacks width. And I think this is the question when it comes to this 3-5-2, right? We're seeing um, on the women's side, Bev is really exploiting, A, her depth at center back, but also keeping her midfield in check with that 3-4-1-2 and letting, you know, two strikers move up there. And it's worked well. We'll have to see it against other teams as they prepare. We'll see how that looks against Brazil, how they play around this. But a back three for Canada... I think it gets problematic. And I was messaging, I messaged people throughout the games. Um, it's my way of, of writing notes, but then also it's my way of just kind of making points. And because I know the big question walking into this game was this conversation with Alfonso Davies, which is, hey, is he a left back or is he a winger? And I, I asked this question, Northern Football Podcast. I think if you look at the, but my theory with this is this, and I said this on our um, Sunday tackle. I think if you declare Davies as a wingback or as a fullback or as a defender, 
it doesn't necessarily limit him. He can still come up. But it's not that you have to play him as a fullback or you have to play him as a winger. It's You have to play him in a, in a position that allows him to play with and without the ball. But that means you need fluidity around him. Because he's going to cut inside. If he's going to cut inside, that can't be at the detriment to his defensive responsibilities. Therefore, you need players who can move up and down with them. If he steps up, players who can step back and cover that. I know there's a crazy concept idea, but, you know, there's a there's a crazy part of my brain where I think, you know, at one point I'd love to see Tejon and Alfonso on the same side. I think that's too much winger play in that sense. But you need players who would be fine with it. I think if you had a, a Tejon type player with Davies on the side, I think it opens up the pitch to allow both players to really play around. We know Tejan loves to go wide. You know Davies will play in run. If you look at how he plays at Bayern, he is a fullback, but he's also a that uh, counter deterrent just with the pace to snuff those attacks out. But also B, if he cuts in and he, he's on Coleman's side, Coleman can step back a little bit and play, you know, cover his area. If he goes to... Uh, Leroy Sané side, Sané can drop back a little bit. He doesn't like to do it a lot, but he can drop back a little bit. And it's the fundamental issue that I have, I think, with how the roster is currently constructed. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a list of things we can go into, but I'm going to start with that, which is if you're going to ask him to play defensively, if, if you are in the camp that says Davies needs to play as a fullback because that's the simplest thing for him, that's what he does as a club, keep his game simple, it's not that simple because, therefore, if he's going to have him play there, he's still going to drift up. He's still going to try to cut in. And if you aren't playing a system that allows that cover, then he will still, he may pick his chances. But when he does, it means that on the counter, that side is now open and exposed. And Canada wasn't exposed on that as much as maybe we've seen against the U.S. and maybe at the World Cup. But it does speak to the conversation, which is, are we putting are, are we playing players that can succeed on the pitch with what you're trying to do? You, your width can't just be Davies and Larea, unfortunately. And I'm sorry, it cannot be that. It cannot. You need more than that. And I think that's where the conversation of you look at, okay, you look at the pitch. Like, you look at the roster. Who were the players that you brought in for the roster who could have played out wide? You brought in Brim and Miller. And Hoylet. And, and like I, I think if you look at the whole setup of the program, there is I think there's a glut of like middling and, and I don't want to say the middling, but in terms of like stepping up to a level that are all about in that same like category, right? You take like your Schaffelbergs, your Corbianus, right, your Liam Millers, um, your Brims. If you are still optimistic, um, a Luca Colioso, even though Colioso should clear them at this point because he is starting in the Prem at this point. And Italy seems to be the team that's going to be giving him minutes. And he's always said from day one, he will go for where minutes are available and playing time is prioritized. So he's doing, he's not lying with anything he's saying. But if you look at the, the depth in terms of that wingers, there are more options that you can play out there in the same breath if you look at the depth at the fullback position it's larea atacudby and johnston those are our fullbacks if you put davies there 
Now, maybe now you can have a, a better conversation in terms of form with that other fullback position, whether it is whether whether it is a Johnston, whether it is a player like Adekubi, whether it is a Larea. As much as Larea does produce, I, I whether it's fair for the player or not, and whether people think you should be moving off of them or not. I think you always have to be looking at who are the next players or who can step in and start getting that experience now. Nothing is guaranteed and you don't want to run that same generation a cycle too far. If you try to run back the same cycle, you are not going to have the same success unless you have a young, you have a long window and then they can develop together. And Canada does not have a young squad. They have young key players the question is, will those young players who can maybe give an impact be afforded the opportunity to do so? So for me, I think when you're looking at a player like Davies, and I want to start off with him, and I don't think it's a question of where you play him. Because I think ultimately he is smart enough and he is active enough to be involved. But he's also a player where he'll get frustrated if players aren't reading what they're seeing around them. And we saw that in a couple opportunities, whether it was you know going out wide with the player, whether it was uh, moving off a player, or cutting inside, or making themselves available, or just deciding to sit back. You need more. And in order for Davies to be, and this, this is why I said at the World Cup, I think the most important player for the squad, I think we all know now, is probably Stefan Ustako because he's your most formidable midfielder he is the guarantee Kone had a good game today but wasn't his best but he was still solid Piet just looked like the game had passed him but the most important player from an attacking standpoint is Tejon Buchanan because what that allows you to do is that allows you to put a player like Alfonso Davies off the ball a to create that pressure but then now you have another player with pace that can start to create those issues. I always refer back to that game against Mexico in World Cup qualifiers. That 4-2-3-1 with David up top, Osorio in the 10 role, Buchanan and Davies as your wingers. And then you had Larea and Johnston as your fullbacks with Kamal Miller and Steven Vittori in the middle. You had Mark Anthony K and you have Stephanie Stockio. That mid that lineup, that overlap. Remember, there's the one attack where I mean it ends with Larray playing the ball over the net, but you have Davies overlapping, playing it inside to players, and then you're just seeing like, oh, this could be special. But it's not with those players per se. You need those types of players. And you already have Davies, you have Tejon. Can you now find either wingers? And guess on Davy's side, I think I know another winger because I think if you put him at fullback, that you still allow yourself to do that. Do you afford yourself those opportunities to do that? And I think if you by putting Davies as a fullback, a it opens that slot. I mean, now if you're looking for more winger depth, you have to look at that. Which I know we're talking about a different formation. The three five two ain't it. I think with it, and I think we have to make a transition to that rather soon. The problem, though, is feels as if the CSA is going to just try to prioritize. And again, like I had mentioned, look at their poster and look at the wording. They, it's Nations League quarterfinals, but it's also Copa America qualifiers. It's about Copa America, because where else are they going to get games? Where else are they 
the Copa America is so vital to Canada at this point because it's their biggest recruiting chip outside of we're hosting the World Cup. Right. What Canada has in hosting the World Cup is instead of playing in uh, in windows like now where teams are playing in friendlies or are playing CONCACAF qualifiers, Canada could be playing friendlies and really trying to get teams and players into camp to get them acclimatized with the group, but then also get them ready and set for the World Cup. Now they don't have a coach, um, which is both self-inflicted and some may say it's time, it's the right move. I, this is not about that. We'll have our full conversation that we put that video out. But the Copa America is their best selling point to get players in. And if they aren't able to do that, I think it gets problematic. And th which leads me to the next point, which is who are you bringing? Right. With this window, the three new players we saw were Luke de Fougerel, who was just training, got to see how that was like. Uh, we had Mathieu Chouinard, who finally got onto the pitch. I think it was well deserved. It wasn't bad. Harry Patton, Peyton, however it's said, I do apologize if I am saying it, played well in his 30 minute cameo. Um, Brim looked all right, but we've already seen Charles Andreas Brim. But out of those, like other than you players, I would have loved to see a Luke de Fougerel get onto the pitch just to say, you've already had him in camp. You already had him in camp, so why not just give him the run out so he gets that experience? And sees what it is. You already had short time for camp. You already had short time for training. Why not say, hey, let your instincts play and go out there and see what you can do? Which I think with the Harry Patton or Payton wasn't terrible. He had a good cameo. I think Schwenyar looked all right in that role. But I think within the midfield, we've already established Stefan Ustaki was the most important player on the squad. He's the most important because he's the your only midfielder you can rely on. Which is probably why they were looking at Bombito as a, hey, CDM potentially. Victor Latouri didn't get much of a shout, which is unfortunate. But in his cameo, I didn't see enough, to be honest, during the Gold Cup. He wasn't bad, but like you, you need minutes to really, and that's the unfortunate thing. We always say this as fans. We don't get to see training, so we don't get to see how they look there, which is where coaches make their decisions. But as fans, as, 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 as full analysts, all we can do is look at games and evaluate players based off of their decisions, which means for some players, that's 10 minutes. For some players, that's 30. For some players, we see everything we know, which is, which is why when I look at friendlies, I do get slightly frustrated when we don't try something else. We just trot out the same lineup and say, hey, we need to uh, iron out the kinks and then go from there. It's unfortunate. I do think it is unfortunate that Derek Cornelius had a rough first half. He wasn't wasn't his best half, but it wasn't his war. It wasn't his best half, but it was rough. And I think that's unfortunate because I think a lot of us were looking to him as maybe this is the player you play in that back three in the middle as your heir apparent for Steven Vittoria. Now, he gets subbed out at halftime, and we're literally, we are literally going to go through this. 
you're down three nil and your choices let's you're getting outpassed you're getting outpressed and your and your decision is let's put in probably our slowest player in center back who immediately gets chipped and then a goal got scored by him like let's try to create offense at, at that point the game is three nil at that point go out there loot if you're gonna lose take a chunk with you right if you told me this game ends and it's seven three seven four because canada is starting to you know may they make an offensive change they make a formation change and then all of a sudden there's more life there because it's not like canada didn't have any life in the first half right they had the penalty that they missed, which name me a combination that's better than Canadians and missing penalties. I'll hang up and listen. Right? They had a few opportunities coming with shots that went far and wide. I think I was messaging someone else saying, to make a, a, a women's comparison, this team needs like an Olivia Smith. And by Olivia Smith, I mean like a young player who's only thinking the frame of the goal, I will put a ball there. I don't care. I am here to score goals. Because for the amount of players that Canada has, talented players up top, right? You have Laren, who's not in good form. You have David, who's in cold form. You have Davies, who's playing well at Bayern, but Bayern's, you know, playing interestingly. Tejan got hurt. You have no players who are in form, which is where I would say, man, it's very unfortunate that we don't have... We couldn't have seen an E.K. Ugbo in this type of a game with that type of a movement because we just need... I, I find right now the thing that's plaguing this team is they are lacking a little bit of that, not necessarily that killer instinct, but they need someone to be greedy and say, I want this goal and I'm going to take and get this goal. Because once they get to the box, it's like it, it feels like they're always going one pass too many or they're a little bit too cute. Which, hey, you can the extra pass is great. Basketball principles, that's great. But in football, if you have an angle, take it. A miss on frame is better than a shot that never comes. Because you have a shot, you have a rebound chance, which is what happened on the cross where, where David puts it in at the end. The goalie pushes it out. Hoylet's there to pounce on the rebound. It's 4-1. But this team right now, heading into November, it is a little bit concerning that there's no one who is in form from a goal-scoring standpoint. That is worrisome because who's going to put the goals away, right? Laren just seems a, a tad off. David is looking to pass and moving. David is almost playing in that creative role up top. It's your best 11 based off of reputation, but is that your best 11 based off of form? Because if, you, if it's not your best 11 based off of form, if you're making the assumption that Tejan comes back and he's healthy, he's at one wing back, and then you have Davies as the other, and then you stock you in the midfield, replacing Piet, but then that's effectively your, your lineup. And then you want to go either Victoria over Cornelius. That's your lineup. Where are the goals coming from? The best player right now, just who's looked good on the pitch, has been Eustachio all throughout the year, and he got hurt. 
So it is a little bit concerning when it's like, okay, well, where are the creative midfielders that are coming in to do something? Kone's played well, but on and off. Like the one player we didn't mention here who came in and got his cameo at the end, I think Liam Miller is developing the player that we thought he would be. He'd be back in the championship, playing in uh, England. But, I mean, his wing play was good. But, again, that's a player where you put him out wide, and that's where his strength is. In a 3-5-2, where are you going to put him? And then you're forced to play him, what, as a striker? I, I get very tired of this conversation of, well, he's played it before, so it shouldn't be. No. If we're going to make the same argument about you want Davies to play fullback because that's his position at club, then that has to stand through for all your players. Put them in the simplest, in the position where their game is simplified. In high-pressure situations, you always default back to your basic formatting, which means you're going to play like you always play when a lot of things happen. You might try something, but you're always going to revert back. <laughs> you're going to revert back to what you know. So if that means you need more width, then you have to now make a decision, which is, do we change our shape? The question is really this. Do you change your shape and do you drop one of your strikers? To me, the answer is yes. Because both aren't in form. So playing them off of each other where you're just playing the ball to one, hoping that Larry can hold up playback and then you can start your build-up from there. At this point, put David in as a nine. Add a winger to add more width and pace. You have three center backs. You'd have Kone and Eustachio. Yes, you want him further up the pitch. But in terms to get this team going, let Davies play more to his strengths, which is that 3-4-3 or that 4-2 or that 4-3-3 set where he's either a fullback or a wingback. Put a winger in front of him who's fluid and wise enough to be able to move. And then on the flip side, put a... put. Tejan with another winger who can overlap and play with each other, allowing him either to cut inside. And if you go with a back three, you either have Kone step up and have Ustakio sit back with your defenders. And that's what you have to do. You, we have to try something to kickstart the squad because they look like they haven't played together in two months. What do you know? Because that's probably the case. They haven't played together in three months. Let's be real. The other question is, that tra when will that transition come? Because you know they have Copa America that you want to try, but you have to, when are you going to test those players? When are you going to test that depth? One of the things I was most disappointed about this game wasn't just how we lost, was that we didn't learn anything. Right? If you're going to lose, at least learn something coming out. What we learned, Liam Miller is maybe back, is pushing his way back into this program for minutes does he, did he earn a start? Maybe. But his 30 minutes showed a lot. But we didn't get to see anything else. The one move at halftime was Victoria for Cornelius, which either means Cornelius is done and his chances of starting as a center back are complete. I hope they don't ever put Zach McGraw as an outside center back. Maybe Zach McGraw is your solution for a uh, Steve Victoria. Maybe it's a Moise Bombito. But Cornelius struggled. Now, granted, let's not pretend like they didn't struggle. Japan has been a buzzsaw 
I mean, 6 to El Salvador, 4 to Germany. This team has been a buzzsaw. So there's no shame in the result that you got because this team has been doing this to everyone. They gave Germany 4-1. So should I be surprised that they gave Canada 4-1? You could have argued Canada could have, it should have been 4-2 Canada. In the same breath, you could have argued that it should have been 6-2 Canada. We don't get to count the chances that we missed. All we get to do is count the score. Well, we can't talk about how they played. And if we're going to do that, then that's where the conversation gets interesting. So ultimately, I think where you have to have the conversation, it's like, okay, was Japan the right friendly team? And yeah, you want to play tough teams, but we can't a live in a world where we're thinking I've seen a lot of discourses around this online where it's like maybe get easier teams that you can come through and a point that's fair that's made is true yeah Ghana is in North America playing Mexico Ghana and Germany are in Mexico are in North America playing Mexico in the U.S. this window and the U.S. and Mexico are doing a better job at sharing that type of uh yeah they're doing a better job at sharing those types of friendlies because they have the facilities that do that and they have a good enough partnership to understand that we have diaspora to do it. We have um, access to do it. And we can sell out both games, truly. Now, I do wonder if they are able now, if Canada can try to find something like that. You know, you thought maybe the U.S. would be a team to do it, but I think U.S. and Mexico is good. Now, do they do that with another team? Like, we joke with the women's side that, you know, Death Taxes and Marta and Christine Sinclair will play each other twice a year. When's the last time they have it? I think they've played like, what, 10 times since Bev Priestman's been in charge? Is there that break glass in case of emergency team? It looked like it was Panama for a little bit, but maybe it's someone else. But they have to find someone. Heck, even if it's you go down to... I've been really... I'm a proponent of creating a nice partnership with Colombia... Canada, I don't think they offer much on the men's side, but for the women's side, they do offer something for Colombia. A star player and an opportunity to really showcase both teams. So I think it would be very interesting to see how Canada would look against the Colombia. Now, maybe they can find someone else. Maybe, you know, if Iceland gets their uh, their act a little bit more together, maybe it starts to be that. You know, just they need to find... A, a decent partner but also they don't need to be afraid of playing teams which are lower than them on the scale because they need to get as many games together and over these next three years two years now effectively they need to get as many friendlies in because a for the dual national recruiting but b these are no pressure opportunities where they can now actually play and test their medals against some teams get some string of form together and then ultimately look good as they get ready to be one of the three hosts for the World Cup. It's a very crucial time. When it comes to players, I said this on the, uh, the Sunday Tackle, and I, I think there's an honest conversation that we have to have where it's, yes, we can look and think there are players who can still contribute right now, but we have to always be looking to replace our top players, not because we don't think they're good enough, but you need to have that level ready. It's one of the arguments I always make with Candace Woman's team. Do we miss out on someone's peak year for someone else's 80% year? 
right? And I think you always have to look at it that way. It's not that you're trying to replace players. You want your best players to come in again to camp, get a shot, and go from that. Because this core can't be there. You have to look at it from the standpoint of who are the who are the safe bets on the squad, right? I, you don't want it to be as just bare as saying, hey, it's Davies, David, Tejan, Nustakio, Kone. But, yeah, look at it that way. Try to find ways to see other players in. I think trying different formations, which, again, I'm a little bit disappointed with Biello because we didn't try anything else. Now, granted, we brought a roster with no speed on the wing. Miller and Brim have that pace, but other than that, there's nothing that's really going to push that pace moving forward. So everything was going to be defensively solid, which, sure, that works great. But if you want to just play a 5-4-1, I think you have more talented players to do more than that. So ultimately, I, I think we really have to do a, a better job at, at testing our depth, especially with these friendlies coming up. Um, you have Copa America qualifiers, which will be one thing. Um, I don't know in terms of friendlies what that opens up for Canada. But I think we have to look at this in terms of can we start to transition? Now, granted, I know people will be looking saying, why didn't Ali Ahmed? Why didn't a uh, Jacob Schaffelberg? It's the end of the MLS season. The same thing with clubs in England. You're, you're trying to hold on to your players because you don't want to risk it for just one game. Why send them for just one game and it's not necessarily needed? So for those players, I think they've done enough to want to call up if they continue their play going into next year. And more specifically, going to November. But that transition needs to happen. The areas that I think I'm most concerned about for Canada is definitely the midfield. Um, because outside of Ustakio, there isn't a consistent player. Kone, I think is on the verge of that, but he's not there. And if you want to play a, a midfield three, I think it was one of my asks that I wanted during the Gold Cup. I wanted to see a player like, because um, if Ustaki was going to be able to play, I wanted to see a player like uh, Victor Latore to play with him to see if they can man a two-man midfield. Because if they could do that, that now opens the door for you if you want to play in a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, either putting Kone up top in that 10 role, or putting a player playing like a 4-3-3 with a one holding and then two dual eights, I think it opens a door for that, allowing like a Ustaku to kind of play in the middle of a Kone and a Latori. But I think ultimately, that's what I would have loved to see, but we didn't get the opportunity to see that. But I think the midfield is the most pressed thing. Now, we have attacking options. I think Canada isn't short of attacking midfield options as well like eights eight tens seven elevens i think canada has again the same way with the wingers they have the, a large amount of just players who kind of are in that same level in that same mold so the question is play a formation that allows them to simplify their game and if that means you have to put davies as your f fullback to allow to get a chance to see like a shaffelberg on top of that then do it. You know you have Tejon on one side, and that also comes to the other point. I don't think we're as deep at fullback as we think we are. I know we look at Lorraine and said he can play. He's getting minutes at the MLS level 
and before I start sounding like as some Americans say, you know, the MLS bias, Euro snob, there's a level, there's a difference. Kone looked different than a player like Sam Piet. Piet struggled. Kone looked like he could play at this level, but wasn't able to always turn them because, again, how Japan was playing them took a lot of what Kone does well out, and teams are going to be able to do that on a much better level. So, ultimately, that midfield, you need to see more in that sixth role, whether it's Latore, whether it's Harry Patton, Payton, maybe that's somewhere you want to look and say, hey, that's a player that we want to see more from in that role. Maybe they are still in the Bombito project. Maybe it could be. We, I mean, the, the, the hope for our, the Justin Smith seems to be dwindling down to barely an ember. I mean, even a player like Rita Zuer, who's playing well at the USL level, now they say you want to see him do well at the MLS. I mean, shout out to CF Montreal for giving Canadians the platform to play. Center backs, I think there's enough. I think there's enough where you don't have to worry, but you always want someone else to emerge. I think that is where I'd say. So my in terms of players that I'm concerned, at striker, I'm not as concerned because you still have an Ike Ugbo who's playing well right now. And I think we need, as much as the conversation is, well, they have a great scoring record for Canada. Yeah, so did Lucas Cavallini. And how many of those goals were basically just 2019 Gold Cup? Honestly. So for me, I think we have to be more honest with our selection. Yes, it's not a lifetime achievement award. We did that already. Now, if you're not informed, I don't think there should be an issue with telling a player, sit this one out, get your get your house in order, then come back with us. We'll be here. Your spot will be here for you if you get in order. But Laren hasn't looked good. David looked better. I mean, the penalty miss we already talked about, but why not try an Ugbo in a two in a dual striker role? Get him up playing. Why not try him as a lone striker? Uh, at some point, we're going to have to play him in a field that isn't frozen or full of water. So at some point, we're going to have to really play him and see what we have in him, which I do feel good about what we do have in him. When it comes to Biello, like, I don't like what I've seen with him at the U20 level. And ultimately, yes, it's the first. It's his first impression. But he didn't do anything to me. Other than saying Davies is a fullback, which maybe I think will have better long-term impact on the program. Because that opens up positional-wise. Now, if he changes the formation and goes back to a, that a winger on the pitch, if he drops Laren, I think that's a player you drop. If you drop Laren, then you put another winger on the pitch. Maybe that opens the door for either a Corbiano, uh, a Miller, a Colliosho. I think if the, if it opens the door for that, then now you are looking good. And ultimately, now you can play around. But then that comes down to, again, the questions we had earlier. We didn't see any creativity, any change. It was just we're going to play this, see how you fit into this role, which, hey, every coach has a system. But I think when you look at Canada, we aren't as deep as some of the other CONCACAF nations. But I think the players and the positions that we have a glut for, there isn't room for them. Or we've lost out on all of them, right? It's not lost on me that we lost uh, Fergie, 
to Turkey. We lost uh, Anis Sally to Romania. We lost our good friend uh, Marcelo Flores to Mexico. We lost Steph Mitrovic to Serbia. Again, four players in that attacking midfield role. Now we got Kone. Lukas Diaz still developing. Hasn't been able to break through into the first team. Maybe might need a move. But we've lost that profile of player, and we don't have that destroying type. Also on the development, on a, on the development standpoint, like we haven't developed that six, so that means maybe we have to go find that six. But we need to open up in terms of how we're going to play and go, and I think a 4-3-3 is probably the answer for that. So ultimately, I think when it comes to Biello, yes, it's his first impression, but I didn't see enough for me where I thought, okay, maybe I can see pieces. Now, you won't be able to see it because I think, again, CSA is just looking and saying, let's just get everyone, let's just get to Copa America. And then we go from there because that's our guarantee. Those are games we don't have to, like, it, it, it's sad that I say it this way, but it's probably how they're thinking. We don't have to pay for those games. We're invited. If we get there, we get to play top teams, and we can prepare for that. And then now maybe that gives us the opportunity to, to get friendlies. If they don't make it, oh, I mean, then every other CONCACAF team gets to dance on our graves and say, you guys, you were on a heater that's it. Flash in the pan. You have nothing left. You peaked at World Cup qualifiers, which maybe that may ultimately be true. But right now, I still see potential in the squad. Um, but we'll see what happens. I think getting a gen sec for the CSA and then getting a coach will be important. I'm curious to see what they do get. I don't think Bielo is the answer because he's had, he's been in this program and he, there's nothing really that shows from me that shows me to give me any him any confidence with the senior team but we'll leave it at that guys a little bit of a longer recap a lot to talk through we'll probably have something up on youtube over this weekend just to talk about all the other friendlies that happened again nigeria drawing saudi arabia is both hilarious and sad for me um but we'll go from there guys thanks for spending the time with us let me know message me uh, find me on one of their socials Africans, Africans FC, find me on one of the posts I made. I have a post up. Let me know in your comments how you feel about the friendly. Find me on Twitter, send me a DM, whatever it be, guys. Request from the Africans say bye bye for now.